All right, we're here at uh, the Source Endurance Survival Camp, sitting here with Brian McCulloch, former winner of BWR, and uh, we wrapped up first day. What was it, a little 40-mile ride we did out there? Just a little bit more than, and it was a little more than 40 miles, but we got really the hardcore. We got to see the first dirt section, and we got to see the last two dirt sections, which are so critical because that's the opening salvo for the day, and then it's like the finishing tough day sandwich shall we say so that was it was really important to see those dirt sectors and see them in a really raw state right like they were really rough today yeah today was i mean it got a little rain last night so it actually like was pretty prime but then it was also a little wet in some areas um is this the first time you've come to this camp it's the first time i've done the bwr survival camp and it's such a neat idea right like this event bwr is so hard it's just such an, a monumental thing to achieve. It's really cool to see these campers, and we have all types of campers here, right? We have people that it's their first time, a lot of people from the Midwest. And so they're trying to build towards this epic event and completion of this epic event. And so as a coach here, my role and what I want to do is I want to see everybody coming away with nuggets that they can take into their preparation because we have four months roughly until can't uh, until the race like there's a lot of time that things can go really well for you or there's a lot of time that things can unravel so there's like a lot of people here that are not from around this area it seems like a lot of people traveled for this and a lot of people haven't done bwr so coming into camp like how would you say from your perspective because you've done the race you've won the race you are a coach like, what do these people need to know and what do they need to experience to where they can leave camp on Sunday and go, okay, uh, I have a much better idea on what I need to do to be ready for BWR? That's a great question, Horno. I would think the most important thing that people are going to think about, I would say the first thing that people are going to think about is just the fitness necessary to complete this task. But what I'm here to tell you is it's so important to be able to apply that fitness, Okay. When you get to the BWR, what makes it the hardest race around is that you have to have all of these skills and all of those layers have to be developed and put to use on that day. So what the campers are, it's not just about fitness this weekend. Yeah, it's three great rides, but it's actually about choosing the best line. Well, maybe there's somebody in the line in front of me. So my options for lines are now my B, C, D option for lines because someone else is on the racing line. Or maybe the other option is I have to back up off of that person, give them some space so I can stay on the racing line. And as a racer yourself, you you know that, you see that, and you know how to apply that. But infusing that knowledge and experience into people, that's what camp is important for. That's what they need to know is that nothing replaces the ability to, to look ahead make a good decision and navigate the section without issue. It's not always about speed. It's about getting through the day safely. So yeah, speaking on that, I actually heard you out there today in our group quite a bit when we were on the dirt, you're kind of, you know, giving some tips and tricks to some of the riders to navigate throughout the dirt. Cause obviously that can catch some people off guard. Like what, um, you know, what comes to mind to you that when you see people riding on the dirt and they're doing wrong that they could be doing right. I think it's really simple. If we look ahead, that's the first thing because our perspective has to shift. And when we're, our perspective is just staring at the front tire or the rock in front of us, the world looks pretty hairy. But when we look up, we look out in front of us, It can. we have so many more options for line selection. And speaking of line selection, I think, and, and you know this, Horno, like 
it's so important to look for good clean lines. A lot of times in these trails, the edges are very, very good, right? So what I was trying to instruct the guys and gals about today was looking for that line, okay? Looking towards the edges often, but sometimes you're on a truck trail and the two drive wheels where the trucks drive are the most beat up. So sometimes you need to ride in the center, right? So it's always looking around at how that might change, okay? So the smoothest line is the fastest line. So, like, looking back, like, you know, obviously you've won this race, and I know last year you didn't have the race that you wanted to, but, you know, I think that kind of is what BWR is because it is no joke and it's hard, and you can have a great day or you can have, like, a bad day. Like, kind of since you've done both of those worlds as far as, like, a good day and a bad day, like, what what do you take from that as far as, like, your experience with BWR and, like, moving forward and, like, how you want to apply to the next year or this year's race or, like, how maybe you'll do something different or, like, I just, you know, the event in a whole because you've really had, like, both sides to it. Yeah, let's not forget the first year I did it, I crashed and broke my hand and then I had to finish with the broken hand. And and you know this is a motorcycle racer, like, we we don't stop. Nothing, like, we will finish this. And that's that's really what I hope that people, if you're at home and you're listening to this podcast and, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm doing a lot of trainer time, or maybe I don't know about the dirt, I'm a little unsure. The most important thing I think for everyone is mindset and being having an unrelenting mind and being that you will finish this. You will find a way to finish. And so when I look back at at breaking my hand or when I look back and last year when I really rode very poorly, I think of everybody has a moment when they're in the deepest, darkest place that they're not prepared for, maybe physically, emotionally, whatever. And when you're there, you just have to know that you have an unbreakable will and that you will not quit. And so what I tell people out on the road today is that the first rule of ultra endurance racing is that you have to, you just have to keep moving. You don't have to move fast. You just have to keep moving. And so when I think moving forward into 2020 for me, who knows what's going to happen this year? But I can tell you this, that I just want to squeeze the lemon. If, if my body is the lemon, I want to squeeze the lemon completely at BWR 2020. And that's all I care about. And I think for everyone listening to this podcast, we want to make you the juiciest lemon possible so that you can squeeze it all out that day because this race demands everything from you and maybe a little more, but you have it in you to do it. So last year, like, you know, you didn't have the best race, but, you know, you, you hear that all the time with people. It's like, oh, I had a bad day or I had a bad race, you know. But, like, no one really breaks that down. So, like, last year when you, you know, didn't have a good race, like, when you look back at that, you know, so what can you, like, what did you learn from that? What maybe did, did you maybe, like, not eat enough, not drink enough? Or, you know, maybe your training was a little off before then. Because, you know, everyone's always trying to, you know, build the perfect, you know, schedule up to the pwr race so they're at their best you've had both sides like we talked about like where would you look back last year and go okay maybe i should have done x y or z different or you know x, you know this different from that when you have a monument like belgian waffle ride it's easy to think if some is good more is better and if more is better a whole lot more better be must be great right and that's not always true okay so what i did was i thought well i did x amount of training to win in 2018 so then in 2019 i'm gonna add x plus 
And what I did was I didn't account for the fact that we had a new baby in our life and I wasn't sleeping and there was all these things going on. So I ended up overtrained. And really, there's a dirty, uh, like two faces to overtrained. It was under recovered. Okay. And so I've learned a lot from that. And that helps me a lot as a coach with Big Wheel Coaching. But, but, what I want people to see is that that can happen to them too, because there's this, there's this reality when you're taking on the Belgian waffle ride, that it's 140 miles of ultra demanding, the best competition, the most treacherous roads, there's all these things. So I'm going to work harder. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to work harder and work harder. And what I'm here to tell you is that anyone listening to this, you have to do the work. There's no way to fake it. You have to do the work. But I want you to add this little asterisk. There's a dichotomy there. And that is this. I would rather you be 5% undertrained than one half percent overtrained. Okay? Because I was overtrained last year. And what happened was I got dropped at two hours. And I had five hours of lonely riding where you were only me and my mind and battling myself. Okay? And I want you to know, number one, that you have the mindset to do it. And number two, if you're fresh, 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 that is worth something. It's worth a whole lot, okay? So don't overdo it. If you need professional help, there's plenty of great coaches out there that you can seek. And and by no means am I trying to push that. But what I want people to understand is that freshness matters in an event like this, and you can overdo it. So dance that line uh, intelligently, shall I say. So give me like an example of like, what you were doing last year where you would consider that overtraining as far as like by the numbers, you know, maybe you're doing how many days or how many hours of the week and how you're going to adjust that for this year to where you're not going to get to that overtrain. Like talk about you're going to come in a little fresh, like give us a little bit of a training breakdown from your perspective. Okay. Last year, uh, well, I say, let's say 2018 when I won it, I was doing, I was at that time I was training for five day stage races, UCI stage races. So what we did was like every most weeks I did a five day block of training, but then I would balance that with two days of recovery or multiple days of recovery following that. And it was mostly endurance riding, sprinting, just short efforts, more polarized type training. And in 2019, uh, I had the opportunity to, to get some motor pacing. And so I did all the intervals that I was normally doing. And then I added motor pacing on top of that bad idea bad idea and so like why, why do you say that's a bad idea it was too much intensity for me to recover from because at the time we had a one year well he was less than one year old at that time we had a seven month old six month old and we were up three times a night trying to support my wife um and our son Seamus is a he's awesome he's a little train little little wrecking ball but he doesn't sleep and so you know to the mothers out there and the fathers out there like my I, I tip my hat to you and uh I overdid it and so now this year to to go backwards is I'll I'll maintain those intervals that I've had that polarized style of training uh I like to race myself into fitness a lot but the the component that I will pay much more attention to is freshness so I will start my build up quite a bit further out just because I need more time to recover properly but that means the juxtaposition there is that i need to start sooner doing bigger rides um so that i'm so i can handle that workload recover from those blocks of training because this is a one-day race much different than five five five-day stage races as you know 
So like, what is like for you, you know, you're a professional cyclist, you know, this is your job. Like right now, you know, when you go home, what does an average week look like for you on the bike? Like, what are you ex- actually doing? Uh, well, to give you, I'll, I'll paint a little picture. 2017, 2018, I was training 30 to 35 hours a week. And, uh, yeah, pretty much every week it was pretty nuts. I did a 38 hour week after I came back from the tour of Taiwan. That was stupid. But anyway, I digress. But when I, when we had Seamus, I was still doing 25 to 30 hour weeks. And I thought, well, I dropped five hours a week. That's a reasonable like concession. But this year I'm doing 20 to 25. Right. And that, that seems to work out pretty well at the moment. Um, and what I would say is I don't mind it being 18, right? There's this old notion of, of pro cycling where it's like, oh, if you want to be a, a domestic pro, you have to train 20 hours or more. And, you know, I, I, at the time we were racing international and we still do race internationally. So I thought, oh, 25 is the next logical step. But in the reality is I've got so many years of doing it. I need to focus more on the high quality efforts and that demands more recovery and so i'm doing things differently like more weight training more core training those kind of things that that as a 37 year old athlete i need more of and that i do for my athletes that i coach rather than thinking oh i can just primarily just ride my bike and ride it a lot and race it a lot and i'll be good i'm like how many days would you be doing like some type of gym workout toward his legs core whatever oh i do gym work well i have a little little core routine that i do like four days a week and then going to the actual gym, like lifting some heavy stuff, that's at least once a week, but most of the time twice a week. And uh, I always do that with my like double day, kind of my interval sessions with that, right? And so for those of you at home who are trainer uh, folks, you know, you can do it on the trainer as well. So, um, you know, then the next day you can ride easy, you know. So speaking on more of the event and like the state of cycling where it is now, um, you know, you're still on a professional road team where your job is primarily the road stage races, you know, the, the typical stuff, but all these events like BWR are getting bigger and bigger. And like, it seems like just the floodgates have opened now from, you know, road pros, Pete Stetna's, you know, TJ Eisenhart's, um, you know, Ian Boswell, they're all coming over and doing all these events now. And these events are getting bigger and more people are coming. Like what just what are your thoughts on that because you've kind of done these events but you're still on the road like team program but the landscape is kind of shifting in the u.s at least yeah absolutely i think it's really interesting we'll see what happens this year and obviously with more people coming it makes it a much more dynamic race because the tactical element becomes much more important and it's not and that's something that i love about road cycling and so what's kept me in road cycling is that i love the team atmosphere i love being a part of my teammates wins i love supporting them that's why i'm a coach i like supporting people and helping them be their very best but at the same time i like getting in the trenches and being a bit of a crash test dummy myself i like testing myself and exploring the depths of my own pain cave and so what i would say is I don't know what, what 2020 is going to hold for the gravel events, but I, I can tell you they're going to be super, super competitive. And for me, at least where I sit, I, I don't want to change anything about these events, especially like BWR. I just want to be a part of the fabric of it. And it's something that it's shaped me in a lot of ways and, and me as an athlete. And so to me, that experience that you get by going that deep at these races is something you just can't get anywhere else. And so that's why I'm here is to, to experience that and find a little more, um, 
in myself every time. And so as long as, as long as there's a BWR, I, I will make it a priority to be here because I, I love that test. Like how, how do you think that would, would be as far as like, when you go to a race with your team, elevate KHS pro, you know, you have eight guys, you know, and it's depends on the race, whether it's a climber race or a sprinter race, as far as like whose role is what, you know, you have guys that are only job is just getting the break. You have guys that are just doing the pulling, the domestic stuff. You have guys that are just getting the bottles. BWR and these kind of events have kind of just been like one man shows. The team hasn't really come here yet. Not saying like your team, but I'm just saying like the team right. element, you know, no one's showing up with five, six guys. But like, if it starts going that way, like, how do you feel like these events would change in that manner? Like, can you imagine if you were here and you had seven of your teammates here, you know, compared to just you? Well, that's that's an interesting thing to ponder. And I know I know at least that conversation comes up a lot when we're riding and doing these kind of events and people people are saying, oh, well, poo-poo that. We don't want that. We don't want this. And and one thing I'll tell you that, that I think is really missing, at least from the cultural understanding of team at team aspect racing, is that a team is a really powerful thing we can move further and faster as a unit that's what a peloton is it's more aerodynamic than a jet plane folks like a peloton is a very very good thing and so having friendly wheels in that peloton is a very very good thing and so at this particular moment you know i i know a number of guys because i've raced a long time i mean i've been doing this a day or four but like what if you're a new guy and you don't know what to do how do you even how do you even break into an event like this because if we look at old school road culture they try to break in younger riders and help them with shorter events and and get them to understand the rodeo of this and and here we have this juxtaposition where now people are doing lead boat which is you know two incredibly difficult rides back to back there's literally only a handful of people that can probably do that and not be completely jacked for the rest of the year Okay. And, and so what I want, what I would think the, the powerful thing of a team element could be some form of mentorship to help people be successful in this venue, because it's much harder than people give it credit. I, I, I know that anyone who's done BWR one time, anyone who's had any sort of mechanical out there and then had to ride the rest of the day, uh, kind of hampered by that, they know how challenging and difficult these events can be. And so uh, the one thing about the team element is having friendly wheels can give us the opportunity to do that. And by no means, folks, am I advocating for the team, you know, road racing tactics and radios and team cars. I'm not advocating for any of that. I'm merely saying that we want to keep that gravel vibe of everybody helps everybody intact and not let it get too competitive. And I, I think that's that's an important thing to to i don't know how to put it but i think that's important like i like rolling up to the line and being like hi ted king how are you today i haven't seen you in a while what's going on hi john hornbeck what's going on right that's but that doesn't happen at the road events because there's so much riding on them and that's changing now in in gravel there's a lot riding on these things all right so before we wrap this up do you uh what what are some quick little advice tips that you can give to you know whoever's out there listening prior to bwr What can you leave with them? I want to talk to everyone about equipment, okay? There's just a simple way that I look at equipment that I hope can help you. And Well, it's it's simple in my mind, and I hope I can break it down to be simple. You can 
ride, you can outride the equipment and then the equipment fails. And when the equipment fails, that causes a crash and that's something you don't want. So when you're thinking about, well, the BWR is mostly road, I should probably go to a more road setup. I don't think that's the accurate way. That's not the whole point of the event. I think having equipment that is durable and can make up for any shortcomings you have, i.e. any mistakes, is absolutely invaluable. I would rather carry a couple extra pounds or have wider tires that allow me to make a mistake here or there or to get off the racing line rather than trying to have something that's boutique, super light, trying to go you know, high-speed, low-drag. So for everyone at home, really work on your skill set, really work on your confidence in the dirt, but also understand that equipment can save you, and really good equipment is worth its weight in gold. Okay, because no one wants to get out there at mile 80 when there's four or five miles to the next st- aid station, and then you have, the only way there is to hike a bike because you're out of tubes, you're out of CO2, you've blown through your tubeless, and you got a rubbing disc. Like, that's awful. And I can tell you this because I've had to hike a bike for three miles with a bicycle on my shoulder, cyclocross carry by dealing with that. So please, please, please take the equipment component of this very seriously and also take the fitness component application of fitness is going to save you on the day okay very important all right much appreciated and um yeah we'll see you may 3rd thank you so much